Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Hate your family. Say, well, good morning to you too, Walt. Right? Hate your family. We looked at this in the scripture last week where Jesus said, unless you hate your family, your husband, your wife, your, your father, your mother, your children, your brother, your sister, he says, you can't be my disciple. And, and really on the face of it, that doesn't seem consistent with what we see, what a Christian is supposed to be and how a Christian is supposed to live. But if you remember, and by the way, if you, if you weren't here for that, uh, if you're still having a little hard time understanding after we're done talking about it here, I'd encourage you to go back and watch or listen to last week's sermon, we talked about that. But we saw that in the culture of Jesus' day that this was a way of talking to establish priorities. Well, I love this, I hate that. I love this, I hate. And, and it isn't hate like we would think of hating somebody or something. But what we, we determined very clearly is this. So let's look, it was this, that Jesus and living for him comes before every relationship I have and every person I know, including myself. That, that was the point of what Jesus was saying. So let's, let's read that, that part aloud together here. Read out loud with me, would you? Jesus and living for him <clears throat> comes before every relationship I have and every person I know, including myself, which means Jesus comes first, right? Settled. We need to settle that. Well, today we're going to look at the, the, the passage a little bit farther down, the passage where he says to bear your cross. You, he says, unless you, well, well, let's just look at the passage. Let's go to it. Luke chapter 14 and verse number 27. Just one verse today. So I ought to preach real short, shouldn't I? You guys out there? Is your... A little frozenness going on under the surface there. I wouldn't count on the short. Um, so in verse 27 here, this, this, this passage, Jesus is talking about what it means to be a follower of Christ. But verse 27 says this. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Okay. It's pretty straightforward, isn't it? Uh, you know, the, the one before this, when it talked about hating your family and all that, that's a little bit harder made to decipher. But this one's pretty clear. Unless you bear, pick up that cross and follow, you can't be his disciple. And remember we said that when a person comes to Christ, a person receives Christ as Savior, they not only get him as Savior, they get him as Lord, don't they? Because Jesus is Lord. And we don't get to you know, separate him. He's the Savior and Lord. And so the intention, God's intention is that we as brand new believers grow and understand and begin following him as disciples. Okay. And so from uh, God's perspective, it's, it's not acceptable to remain only a believer and not a disciple. And I don't want to confuse you. There's, there's a number up there you can send a question to if you have, and we'll be glad to answer it for you. Um, you can do that. If you get genuinely saved and for some reason or other you end up not following, you can do that. Once God saves you, you are saved, right? You come to understand you were a sinner before a holy God. 
that, that condemned you. And so you believe that Jesus died for your sin and rose again from the dead. And, and by faith, you, you trusted him to be your savior and take care of that sin problem. And that moment when you sincerely come to the Lord like that, he, he forgives every sin, every sin. How many sins? Every sin. That's right. And he gives us eternal life, which we never lose. And he moves inside and changes us in a radical way deep down inside and begins working on us. But so theoretically, we could get stuck here and not move on. But that's not God's intent. If you're a Christian, you're supposed to be a disciple. Okay, so let's just settle that in our minds. Go ahead and go to the next slide there, if you would, Eduardo. So um, let's look at it one more time. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And so I think here, one of the things we really understand, bear your cross. What does that mean to, to bear a cross? Let's just look at a little bit of history related to the cross. Uh, of course, we, we just talked about Jesus dying on the cross, paying the penalty for our sins, right? Uh, we talked about that. But in history, the cross, we, it, it, we find that it starts being used as a symbol, like, you know, when we see a cross. Let me ask this question. Anybody in here today have any jewelry on that has a cross on it? Oh, several. Okay. Right? So that kind of thing. Uh, but we see it being used as a symbol of Christianity within about 150 years of the time of Christ. Now, after that, which always happens, what happened is that the Roman Emperor Constantine decided he was going to be a Christian. Whether he was generally born again or not, we don't know. But the point is he made... Christianity, the religion of the Roman Empire. And all of a sudden there's a lot of converts. Maybe, right? Hey, if the Roman, if the emperor is a Christian, maybe I better be one, right? We don't, people weren't necessarily genuinely saved. I'm sure there were a lot who were. But as happens in their religious practices, this idea, this symbol of a cross, you know, whether it's a physical one you can touch or a drawing or whatever, began to take on a lot of superstitions. Just like Many things do, right, in religious realms. And it, how many of you ever remember watching a, a movie, an old movie, where, you know, uh, the, the, priest is, has, the priest has his cross out there against the, the vampires or the demon-possessed or whatever, right? You've seen that? Some of you, it's us older people, we've seen it <laughs> in the movies. But so all sorts of superstitious powers attached to this image, Okay. Um, when the Reformation came in the 1500s, when there were people at that time who protested what the Catholic Church was doing and, and what it was teaching at the time, and they became known as, what? Protestants. They were the Protestants. Okay? So the Protestant churches, uh, most of them began rejecting any use of physical symbols in, in re reaction to what they were coming out of. Okay? Uh, because of the misuse, they removed all those symbols, including the cross. They were concerned that it would be treated like an idol. And they stressed that it was the message and meaning of the cross that mattered, which is always true, whether you can use it as a symbol or not, but they chose not to. Now, some couple of religions that are connected with Christianity but aren't biblical Christianity, okay? In 1946, the Jehovah's Witnesses officially rejected the use of crosses, saying it was idolatry, okay? Uh, the Mormons have turned away from the cross. I think go back into the late 1800s, early 1900s. But instead, they use a statue of the angel Moroni. 
which is the, the angel who was supposed to have appeared to Joseph Smith and started Mormonism. Anyway, so they don't use the cross. And then I ran across this, this quote. It was really interesting. Uh, and it says this. In many Baptist churches, a large cross hangs over the baptistry. Ta-da! Right? For those of you who don't know, up there there's a baptistry. There's a tank up there that we can fill with water and we baptize people there who people who have received Christ as Savior and want to do what Jesus told them to do. So we do have the cross over the baptistry. You can put that back down. But I thought it was funny. Hey, I didn't know we, we did that because we were Baptists, but anyway. <laughs> now, Christ, we know, was crucified on most likely a very rough, heavy piece of lumber, um, wooden cross. This was a torturous form of execution used by the Romans uh, to make a point to anyone who would stand against them because it was done publicly and it was horrific. And people would last sometimes several days on that cross as they, they died. You know, they, they nailed them up and uh, people died of asphyxiation from that because as you hang, someone hangs on the cross and all your weight is, is hanging there. If you do that, you can just hold on to something, you find it's not so easy to breathe. And so as the person would weak, they would have to push up against their feet in order to breathe and then let themselves back down, okay? And they were usually beaten badly before they were put on the cross to speed up the process and to make it more torturous. And so they have a back that's been cut to pieces, rubbing up and down on that cross. Uh, it was a horrific way to die. And if somebody... If they, you know, they wanted to speed up the process, they would break their leg bones here. So they really couldn't push up anymore. And so eventually they would die of asphyxiation. Now, that's the physical part of that. A couple more things about a cross in that day then. If it was a form of torturous execution, what they would often do was require the person who's being executed to carry that cross to the site of the, the crucifixion. And um, we see that with Jesus, that's what he was doing. But so a couple of things, in people's minds in the day when what we just read, you know, bearing your cross, what does that mean? Well, one thing is that the person didn't choose the cross. It was chosen for him. You know what I'm saying? They, Nobody was choosing to do this. It was chosen for them. They, it was, they were compelled to do it. Okay? The second thing is this, that there was no turning back with your cross. You didn't say, I, haven't I done this enough? Right? I mean, no. If, if you were carrying a cross, it's because you were on the way. You weren't coming back from it. And so two things that we understand here, then when he tells us that we need to bear our cross, one of those is that it's really if we're going to be his disciple, it's not a choice. It's not optional. Can you see that in the passage? If you don't bear your cross and follow him, you can't be his disciple. And so we've come to Christ and we're growing. We need to follow him. He's saying, you need to bear your cross. Okay? Uh, so that's one thing. It's compelled. It's, it's not like we have an option. I mean, we do have an option. We can always disobey the Lord. Right? He lets us do that. It's not a good idea, but he does. And then the second idea, uh, no turning back, right? We, um, 
uh, you know, over the years, uh, many years ago, and then we sung it occasionally here, the song, I have decided to follow Jesus. You know, I've decided to follow Jesus, what? No turning back. That's right, and that's what God calls us to. To not turn back. Nothing in our life. No cross. No, we'll talk more about that in a minute. But so that's part of what it means to pick up and bear the cross. Now, it isn't a physical cross. It isn't like that cross or the cross that you wear or the cross that you have hanging up at your house. Or whatever. That's not what this is about, right? That's good as a reminder. It is intended to be a symbol. But what is the message? Well, the first message is that we are sinful. We need a savior. Jesus died on that cross to be our savior, paying the penalty for our sins. And we already talked about that, okay? So that's part of the message of the cross. And, and then Paul says this about how people respond to this message. He says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Okay, the people who don't know the Lord and don't understand this, it doesn't make sense. What's that about, that cross thing? But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God because this is how we can be saved, isn't it? Because of what Jesus did. He says, for Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom. So let's talk about this. There's two different mindsets approaching these things. The Jewish people believed in God. They believed there would be a Messiah. They believed that, but they could not get their heads around the fact that God would become a man and secondly, that he could die. And so he said, this is a stumbling block for them. They would hear about Jesus and they go, what? Wait a minute, okay? Now the Greeks... The Gentile mind, they were very much about we can think, but we can figure this out. You know, we can use our logic, our reasoning, we can figure this stuff out. And what does the cross say to them? You can't, I mean, you may understand, but you can't figure this out. You have to come to Jesus who had to die for you. Okay? And so this is what he's saying. Jews request a sign, Greeks seek after wisdom. And Paul says, but we preach Christ crucified. This is critical. This part of this. Go on. Continue. For to the Jews, it's a stumbling block, and to the Greeks, foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, and it's how we get saved. You cannot get saved apart from the message of the cross. You cannot make it to heaven apart from the message of the cross and submitting yourself to the one who went to the cross. Right? So it is crucial, isn't it, the cross, to what it means to be a Christian. Well, then what does he mean when he says that you have to bear your cross? What is it? The, the phrase in English is someone bear one's cross. You know, you have to bear your cross. Go ahead and go to that slide if you would. Bear one's cross. Um, what does that mean? Well, English dictionary, standard English dictionary, uh, means to handle or cope with one's burden or to endure one's difficulties. Um, and really, it's the same idea from the Greek language, if we wanted to translate it there. It's, it's basically that it is. It's carrying a burden or, or bearing up under difficulties, continuing in spite of difficulties, okay? So when we want to say, what is this requirement of discipleship, then we could say it like this, that I will follow the Lord no matter how difficult it becomes. That's the surrender that we're making to the Lord. Lord, I will follow you no matter how difficult it becomes. Now, sometimes we say that, we don't know what that might mean, right? But it's a sincere surrender to the Lord to say, I will follow you no matter how difficult 
it becomes. And the good news, and we'll zero in on this in a little bit, but the good news is he will enable me to do this. Because I can guarantee you that sometimes you're going to look at it and say, I've made this commitment, but I don't know how in the world I can. But he will enable me to do this. All right. So what does this mean then for us in this passage? As we try to sort it out, what does this mean in our lives? Whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. We could say whoever does not bear her cross come after me cannot be my disciple. Well, the cross that we have to bear, right, then is his followers. The cross that we have to bear. There's two, two parts of it. And the first one is this. We have to bear the circumstances of life in which we're living out our Christianity. I mean, you come to Christ. If you came to Christ as an adult, you've already got life happening, don't you? Life is going on around you. You're in the middle of it. You're having to deal with stuff. Maybe you're a caretaker. You know, your work situation, your marriage relationship or lack thereof, uh, family dynamics, health, all these kinds of things that you're having to deal with in life. And when you say you're going to pick up your cross and bear it, what you're saying is, okay, I have these difficulties in life, but they're not going to keep me from following Jesus. Yeah, I got to deal with them. They're not going to keep me from following Jesus. Man, is it hard. But they are not going to keep me from following Jesus. Okay, so these are just the natural circumstances of life that we all experience. Okay, and we have different experiences, but we all experience these kinds of things. And the second thing is this. It's the hardships that following the Lord bring into your life. In other words, you start following the Lord and you get serious about it. It's not unlikely that hardships will come. Some people will not be pleased. We talked about that last week. Some people, some, some, uh, there may be financial issues. You may find yourself doing things in life the way you've done it before you were a believer. And now you look at it and say, that's not really right. But if I start doing that, I don't know how I'm going to make it. I don't know how I'm going to afford it. And it might bring some hardship into your life. But you say, I'm going to follow Jesus even if it brings hardship into my life. Now, here in the United States, you know, Christianity has been, it was so embedded over the years and, and, you know, I mean, I think we could all sit around and talk about ways in which it seems like that's deteriorating, right? But nonetheless, in our country, has, has anybody here, maybe somebody has, has anybody here been thrown in jail because you were a believer in Christ? Did anybody lose your job? This could have happened. Anybody lose a job because of it? No, it could have happened, but it hasn't, right? See, and that could be other hardships, but you still don't try to say in our country, these things that happen, there's this persecution, this idea of hardship that comes from following Jesus. It's not always, it, there's hassles, there's annoyances, there's, you know, things that aren't easy. But man, overall, we got it good. But I don't know if that's always been good for us. That's a different subject. But this is a real thing. What you begin to suffer hardship and difficulties because you are choosing to follow Jesus. There are 365 million Christians in our world who day in and day out live in a place where the decision to follow Christ could cost them dearly, possibly even their lives. So let's take a look at this slide. Open Doors International has an annual watch list 
that they publish about these kinds of things where Christians are. And we'll talk about the map in a little bit. But they said this in 2023, four, almost 5,000 murdered. Okay, go ahead and put that up there if you would. Almost 5,000 murdered. Almost 15,000 churches or Christian properties attacked. Over 4,000 Christians detained or incarcerated. And they say these numbers are very low. These are just the ones they know about. So you can see that if you are some, living somewhere else in the world in this decision to follow Christ, it you know, could bring severe difficulties into your life. Okay, so let's look at the map. 50 countries where uh, Christians face the most extreme persecution. And so these 50 countries highlighted here. Um, doesn't surprise us where most of those are, right? It's a large Muslim controlled. Sometimes it's a secular government. Sometimes it's, it's Muslim, Islam, Islamic government, I should say. And so that's dangerous for Christians. But I want you to notice here in our own hemisphere and in Mexico. In Mexico. And, and this is, it's, Mexico is known as a Christian nation, okay? Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say biblical Christianity, but Christian, like 90-some percent. But what's happening is the criminal element, the drug cartels, other criminal elements, all that, who have no use for Christians around, okay? And so you could lose your life because you're a Christian there. That's just south of our border. And I was looking at Canada. Canada is not, it, they promise religious freedom, but it, more and more what's happening is it's religious freedom as long as it doesn't cross the policies of the government or oppose it, okay? And so that's, do you realize how fast it could change here? It could change very fast, couldn't it? We even saw that during COVID, right? Some of the issues that arose to the surface, okay? And so we need to, even though we have it easy now, relatively easy, we need to still make this commitment that wherever we are, whenever it happens, whatever, that we have made this commitment, we're gonna follow him, even if it brings great hardship into our lives. Let's look at a couple of quotes from some people in these places, in India. Uh, a church leader wrote, though I was attacked twice, still I can feel God's protection in my life. I was attacked, yet was not crushed. I will continue to trust my God and serve him wherever the Lord sends me. You've been attacked twice yet? Once? You see what I'm saying? But this is God, this is people who've made this commitment. They're bearing the cross that goes along with following Jesus. And then someone from Egypt says, I am a Christian now, but I was born a Muslim. If I showed you my face, it could cost me my life. Fanatics or even my own family would kill me if they saw my picture online and read I rejected Islam. But she's still following Christ. So what is she doing? She's bearing, picking up her cross and bearing it and following Jesus. So bear your cross. We need to make this decision, even if, like I said, if we weren't facing hardship, we need to make this commitment. Okay, that needs to already be settled in our lives so that whatever comes, we've already made this commitment. So the cross we have to bear, the circumstances of life in which you find yourself living out your Christianity and then the hardships that come because you're following Jesus. Now, um, so we all probably have some of that first one and we may have some of that second one. I'll tell you something. At some point, you won't be able to bear your cross. I mean, 
It's one thing to make the commitment over here in your lifespan, right? I'm going to do this and you're going to do it and you're doing the best you can. And you're, you know, buckling down and working hard at it and gritting your teeth and you're going along. But what's going to happen at some point, you won't be able to bear the cross that you have or the multiple issues that comprise your cross. Think about this with Jesus. Jesus beaten almost to the point of death and he's compelled to carry his cross. And we read this in the Gospel of Luke. As they led Jesus away, a man named Simon, who was from Cyrene, happened to be coming in from the countryside. The soldiers seized him and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. And it doesn't tell us this, but I don't think we're stretching it far to assume that Jesus wasn't making it, carrying that cross. And the Roman soldiers were tired of trying to drag this out, and so they grabbed somebody else and made him carry it. So even Jesus came to that point where he could not carry the cross that he was called to carry. Well, we have to do it, don't we, to be his disciples? Don't we? So what are we going to do about that? Well, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul talks about something in his life. And he says this. He says, Jesus, no, no. Actually, let's turn in our Bibles to it. Let's turn in our Bibles to it. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And if you don't have a Bible with you, you could open the one in the chairs, underneath the chairs in front of you. And we'll be on page 1335. So the Apostle Paul here was getting accused of things by people who opposed him lots of times. Um, they were accusing him of you know, building himself up, and which he wasn't. Um, but so he has to deal with some things. And in chapter 12, he says that, in my understanding of it here, is that the Lord allowed him to see heaven. Maybe to help him understand something or to motivate him or whatever, but allowed it. But he saw things that nobody else, no human being has seen. Okay? And so he talks about that in the first six verses of chapter 12. Then we get to verse 7. He says, Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, unless I would become prideful or think I'm somebody special, he says, A thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure, to keep me humble, to keep me approaching life the way I should. God allowed Satan to bring a problem into Paul's life. And um, a thorn in the flesh, as he describes it. And then verse eight, he says this, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Why did Paul do that? Why do you suppose? It must have been hard, right? It must get in the way. We don't know for sure what it was, but maybe when he's standing up trying to teach, something's happening, making it difficult for him. Or maybe it's getting out of bed in the morning, and some of you can relate to that, right? I mean, who knows? But Paul was bothered by it, and he said, please take it away, Lord. In verse 9, it says, And he said to me, God said to me, the Lord, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. 
okay, Paul, yeah, you'd like this to go, but I'm not taking it away because my, you're going to find that my grace is sufficient to enable you to do this. And when you're weak, it doesn't hinder God. He's strong. He's called you to do this. And then you find out I'm not capable of doing it. I've got this thing I can't bear. Guess what you will learn? God's grace is sufficient for you in that. And that his strength will overcome your lacking there. And he may bring somebody along to help you. He may have somebody pick up that cross with you and carry it for a while. I don't know. But you see what I'm trying to say? This is how we're called to live. Lord, I'm going to follow you no matter how difficult it gets. And then we find ourselves, Lord, I didn't understand this when I said that. I didn't know it was going to be like this. I don't know how I can do that, but God, I want to do it. You're going to just learn things you never would have learned otherwise. You're going to, your relationship with God is going to change and deepen. And really, when you finally realize that you can't carry this in your own strength, it's one of the best days of your life because it enters into you a different kind of life with you and Jesus, you and the Holy Spirit. And so maybe we can learn the lesson before we get to that point. Right? God, yeah, I have to carry this cross, but I, I, I can't carry it in the w- way you want me to. I, I know me. I, I don't do it right. I don't do it. I can't. God, I, I need you. I'm going to depend on you to enable me to carry this cross. God will make a way. Amen. So a song we sang, used to sing, right? God will make a way when it seems there is no way. Um, and just personal testimony here, many, many years ago, in the first couple of years after I became the senior pastor and, and uh, that was a hard time for a lot of people. It was just not because I became the senior pastor. <laughs> but the events that led up to that and, and all of, you know, any of you who were here at the time, you know, so hard. And it really affected me deeply and it was affecting my relationship with Glenda and we were trying to figure stuff out. So we uh, were able, had the opportunity to go and spend time with uh, a couple who counsels pastors and wives in these kinds of situations. But so that was down in the mountains of Georgia. But we flew into Atlanta on Saturday and went to Charles Stanley's church on Sunday morning, First Baptist in Atlanta. And we're pretty emotionally raw. And we went into the worship service and we're there and they sing, God will make a way. And he did. He did. He's done for a lot of you. Whether it was that situation or other things, he has. He will. So we're over here saying, okay, maybe we're brash and we're not thinking right. And we go, I can handle this. I'll bear my cross. But you won't be able to at some point. Or whether you realize that, God, this is, I don't even know how to do this, but I, I want to make this commit. Whatever it is. But you know, any time that you take that step of faith toward the Lord, he will make a way. He will. He works in ways we cannot see. He will make a way for me. 
just overwhelmed with his faithfulness. So see, these commitments sound hard. We're talking about the hard side of following Jesus, right? And we we'll hate your family. Oh, okay, well, we understand now, right? And then we say this, you gotta bear your cross. What's that gonna mean? I don't even know, right? But it's by stepping out of faith and going with the Lord on the hard side that we get to know him in ways we never would have got to know him. Changes your life in really, really good ways. Not the way the world might think good changes. But I guarantee you, if you lost everything you had and you got to know Jesus so well that it just changed everything for you, I guarantee you wouldn't go back and trade it away. Amen. You wouldn't. So we saw last week that Jesus and living for him. In fact, let's read this out loud together again. I, let's do this. Go ahead. That's slide. Read it with me. Jesus and living for him comes before every relationship I have, every person I know, including myself. And then today, let's go to the next slide there. It says, I will follow the Lord no matter how difficult it becomes. He's going to enable us to do that. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord. Help us to see that on this hard side of following you, really being surrendered to you, really being committed to you uh, to do these things so we can follow you and be your disciples in life. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to see that it's not just about a hard side, but it's about actually crossing into a new place with you, a new kind of life with you. And so I pray, Father, you help us see that. You stir our hearts to, to make this surrender and then to grow in it. And if there's anybody here, Lord, who still hasn't settled the issue of receiving your son as Savior, I pray that, that they'd say to you right now, Lord, Lord, that's me. I need to be saved. I, I, I accept Jesus as my Savior. I put my trust in Jesus. I pray if they have questions or don't understand, Lord, that they would be willing to step out of their comfort zone and ask those questions so we can help them to be saved. We want to glorify you, Lord, and I pray that you'll work in us as we go from here today. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen.